welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, PhD candidate Kai joins us for a conversation all about past life regression. Together, we talk about awakening archetypes, fractals in the quantum dimension, and expanding beyond our minds. Okay, all of you listeners, if you have been tracking with me since day one on this podcast, you know that this is probably going to be a hard conversation for me, right? I am so literal, scientific, and yet two episodes ago, I have a conversation with Mandy about leaning into the spirituality, right, and asking for more of that. And then next thing you know, I'm recording with Kai, right, and here we are embarking on this conversation. And I think Kai and I talk about this, and it's important to always have an open mind, right? What I do know for certain is that we don't know everything about this life and this experience, That I can claim with certainty, that there is so much that we truly have no idea about and are still exploring, which I think leaves a lot of space for topics like past life. That being said, I do have some fears about the potential harm that the idea of past lives trauma could cause, right? If we are telling patients that there is something in their past life that they didn't have control over that now is still lingering with them and you need to get more comfortable with your unconscious to be able to unlock. I could see how that could create a dependency on the psychoanalyst, the therapist, and also the potential for someone to always feel like there's something wrong with them that they just haven't been able to fully unlock yet and have to keep digging and digging and digging and digging and looking for. I, I mean, it's totally possible that we do have past lives and maybe one day when I'm on my deathbed and I'm 80, I will say, yes, I've done enough work in this field to fully believe in it and to fully see that, yes, that is totally what is happening with all of us. But I have to be realistic and say that at least currently where I'm at, I do not believe in past lives. And Kai, I really appreciate you sitting with my Virgo brain and for inviting me to lean more into my intuition, which I think are all very valuable things to be building. And like you said, practices that are important and can help us tune into the gifts that we have in our perception. And I mean, these are the very conversations I want to be having on this podcast, y'all. It's a challenging conversation that is absolutely deconstructing the status quo and putting out a whole new paradigm of understanding our lives. And so even if I don't believe in it, I think it's powerful to be having these conversations and bringing up new potentials to understand our experience. What I do know with my empirical and scientific brain is that we have done research with mice where we did classical conditioning to make them afraid of the cherry blossom smell. So that was just this first generation of mice. And then we bred the mice and had them have subsequent generations where they didn't undergo any of the classical conditioning that would produce the same fear to the cherry blossom smell. But what we found out is actually that up to four generations later, without any conditioning for the fear, the mice were still afraid of cherry blossoms. Okay, y'all, if that doesn't blow your mind, we gotta say this again. There can be literal fears that are passed down genetically for four generation in mice. We don't know how this shows up in humans, obviously, because the testing is not possible, right? So like there's a multitude of different ways that this could be manifesting in our experience. So I do believe in the epigenetic experience that trauma and its literal effects can be passed down genetically, whether that means we had past lives or we fully lived or it's this lingering running piece of our DNA if you've had trauma that is up for debate, right? I still think there is a lot of room here to have conversations about what all of this means. And I so deeply appreciate Kai 
putting up with my Virgo brain and I love that you called that out. I am still laughing about that because you were so spot on. I am a Virgo and apparently it shows. (laughs) I did not know Um, since I'm also skeptical about that. Jeez. Yeah, I tend to stay in the hard sciences, but I am doing my best to lean into the intuition and spirituality, y'all. And I hope all of you are equally as challenged and moved by today's conversation as I was. Y'all, tune in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How is your day? How have you been? Very well. You know, I usually spend half of them of my week writing my mm-hmm. dissertation, and and the other half um, I see patients. Cool. So today was the writing day. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I know that feeling. That's exactly what I was doing today too. So I feel that. <laughs> what is your dissertation on? Well, I'm um, studying to see if. I can, we can uh, awake a potential archetype using past lives regression. And I'm using a fractal approach for that. <laughs> okay. So I feel like there's a lot of things we're going to have to define and talk about here. Uh, So past life, archetypal regression, and then the last thing that you just said, the technique archetypal potential okay yes i mean yes so all these words please like give me the definitions what are these pieces and the facts so um past lives regression is a technique that probably started in the 20s between 20s and 30s uh with age regression and with time they were able to access you know, the uh, practitioners' um, memories from before, you know, intrauterine life. So that's when they start like, well, this has been happening for a long time, but it became part of research in that Mm -hmm. time in the Mm -hmm. West. Mm -hmm. So usually what I'm talking about is hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. So hypnosis is the technique where, the therapists take the um, the patient to a very deep state of relaxation that I call a hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. When you go through guided meditation, it's the same state. Mm-hmm. And then from there, the patient is uh, starts to move through, I would call the field. Mm-hmm. That's where fractals, I, th- I will take you to the fractals model, right. but where uh, the patients take to a place where she or he or they can access uh, memories. Mm. They don't know where the memories are stored, but it's before, you know, uh, birth, because people, uh, in many research, people can access the time that they were, they were in a very young age in uh, in their uterus. Mm. So in this, in this time, there was no brain formation. Mm. no nervous system so the idea of storing memories in the brain mm-hmm. I, i'm assuming right it's not true mm. and from past lives the memories are stored in some place mm. and why is this important sometimes we bring trauma from other lives <laughs> that are uh, repeated in this lifetime mm. And I, I'm going, so knowing that, you are able to break the cycle. So you become aware of the patterns. Mm-hmm. And then through therapy, you know, patients and therapists get to a point where they find how they can explore these memories and change mm-hmm. them 
And of course, we move to another set of patterns, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, awareness being that first step to bring about the changes, you first have to know what's going on, have that awareness, the coming out from the unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And some people call the unconscious, right? If you follow Jung school, uh, so the memories could be there in the, in the unconscious. It's, it's, it is in the personal unconscious, but I believe it's more than that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it comes from the collective as well. Mm -hmm. So if it comes from the collective, not just to the personal, because I think they are intertwined, then we can explore the field, right? The fractal field, the field of um, the quantum field, the zero point. Mm -hmm. So assuming that there is no empty space, that everything is information, mm. we could be storing memories mm. information in the field. And that's something that... Um, some people disagree and say this is, you know, yes. Pardon my French. <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm here, yeah. People, oh, it's very controversial. It's very polemical. But, you know, at the same time, it may be the truth. Mm. So if you go back and you are able to access through hypnosis these memories, then you can start, you know, restoring uh, healing in the self and mm -hmm. it's a, a way to integrate right <laughs> the soul so be, uh, because if you if you think about complex right and they are created by trauma and if you bring trauma from past lives then we are talking about the integration of complex that you was very critical about that i mean very important critical mm -hmm. in a way so we are always becoming aware of our complex mm -hmm. And what is, has been creating them and what kind of dynamics create them. So then when it's time and we are ready, we are able to access and change. Mm. The fractals model come with fractals are repetitive images. Mandel brought in 1978 a quantum physicist mm -hmm. that um, well, he developed the equation before, but he was able to demonstrate, because of the computer development, the images that came in repetitions. Mm -hmm. So before that, the model was to use the platonic solids with his new way of seeing life. He came with the fractal idea so we could measure nature in a very different way. Because major, uh, nature doesn't bring, I mean, they have patterns, but they are not really solid uh, shapes. They don't come in solid shapes or, you know, uh, very geometrical shapes. If you look at the trees, mm -hmm. right, the branches, they repeat it themselves is a fractal as well as the roots. But they, are, they don't have like uh, solid uh, shapes, geometrical shapes. So the way to measure them is through fractals. And their equation produces the image and then has a feedback loop mm -hmm. and reproduces itself and generates itself in smaller and smaller dimensions. With that, you see when you are looking at the picture, I believe that you can also go to a hypnotic state, but when you are looking at the, <laughs> at the pictures, uh -huh. Uh, that are computer or in nature, uh, the shapes, they keep reproducing themselves in smaller and smaller shapes. Same thing happens with past lives. When you use the fractal model, what happens? You see the repetition of the same patterns again and again, intra-lifetime. This is like a uh, terminology that I'm using, Intra, right? Intra-lifetime. So from one life to another, to another, it's not sequential, but it happens again and again. When you, I think that's a way to, I believe, to integrate complex. Mm. So when uh, some um, professors, authors, they talk about the potential. My professor, Dr. Corbett, mm -hmm. he, in his book, in one of his books, actually, 
in more than one, he talks about the potential archetype. And he defines it as archetypes. So they come in the plural, right? They never come up alone. So, um, and they, they are, we are born with them. If we are born with these archetypes, with the um, social pressure, exposure, parenting, race, and all the other components of, you know, influence that we receive since we are like very small, we are able to develop these archetypes. But I believe that some of them are not developed because of trauma, but not just from this lifetime, from other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. As soon as we explore to hypnotherapy, our patterns, we become more aware of the changes that are necessary. And with the changes, we create space to explore potential qualities Mm -hmm. that we brought with us, but we didn't have access. It's almost like we blocked them. That's the idea. (laughs) Very fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I mean, there are so many layers to that. I'm sure it has been just fun to dive into all of the literature. And yeah, I have so many questions. So I think a lot of this conversation might also be very hard for someone who doesn't understand like psychodynamic theory like some of the ideas we're talking about we have to like slow down enough to like describe them so that people can like follow with us because one of the first things you were talking about is the uh, collective unconscious like even that idea many people will not even know what that means so could you take a little bit of time to describe even that idea yes The collective unconscious came with Jung. Carl Jung was born 30 years later than Freud, but he was contemporary of Freud. And they had a friendship for some time. And then because of many problems at the time, they kind of move away from each other. And Jung, at the time, he was around 30 years old when he started developing the ideas of the collective unconscious that he said it's where the archetypes are. So the collective unconscious are primordial behaviors, primordial patterns of behavior that is, I mean, came with humanity and has been uh, repeating through mythology, through mm-hmm. histories. So if we think about the mother, the father, the child, They are all archetypes that live in the unconscious and they have, uh, they are present in all societies, in all places, all countries, and they have a very descriptive way of uh, behaving and feeling. Because I don't think it's just behavior, I think it comes with feelings and emotions, right? And they have positive and negative characteristics. Mm-hmm. But they are not uh, I, they are not entities mm-hmm. or spirits or beings. Mm-hmm. They are just patterns, but they bring energy with them. Mm-hmm. So when uh, Dr. Downing used to say one of her books, The Goddess, she talks about when the archetype is living in the self, is living in me. So it becomes parts, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. As a mother, when the archetype mother comes, it's so intense that you are not more yourself. You are ju- just the mother. Let's mm-hmm. say the mother is protecting the child, right? So the archetype child is there, present as a child, and the mother is there to protect. And so intense that the, the person, the woman, disappeared, and there is just the archetype. And what the archetypes do, they bring the complex, the personal complex. Mm-hmm that we all carry. And they are not bad or good. They are just us. Mm-hmm. And there are many of them. Today, people are talking about the shadow. They talk about the persona. Anima and animals are like very old, I believe. Yes. Right? Because Female it's more yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there is an umbrella. But at the time, it was the language right. for young. Mm-hmm. But that's what they are. I mean, yeah. what's the, unconscious and in the unconscious we find 
many patterns. So the unconscious, I believe, is also fractal. My professor, my chair, this doesn't agree with me, but. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, when you were talking about the archetypes, I was thinking maybe a way to explain it. And I am not Jungian, right? So I'm more like humanistic existential in terms of my lens. So this might not meet the definition fully, so correct me. But I was thinking about the idea of like archetypes kind of as the different characters that we kind of see throughout the stories of our human experience, the different roles that people can play, right? And so like when you start to like find yourself on the hero's journey, it's it's almost comes with a narrative and a type of persona, a person that you'd live up to be, right? Like the hero would do this, the hero would be brave here, the hero does that. And in that, how like we start to like have that narrative identity and then match our actions to fit that and then therefore create a, like a personality and experience was kind of how I understand mm -hmm. the archetypes to be and maybe an explanation that is a little bit like less Jungian, more like narrative therapy in some ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's important to be aware that the archetypes don't come alone. Mm -hmm. So there is always a dynamic. Mm -hmm. So what creates even the, the, the actions and reactions are like relational, mm -hmm. right? There is always an exchange, um, not just with one or two, but with many. Because we, I believe, we are part of the collective, right? Mm -hmm. We influence each other with everything that we do, mm -hmm. with the things that we buy, you know, the words that we say, the with our beliefs, and we are all, always exchanging ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we are a social creature species, like, of course, like we are just always shifting in this milieu of whatever is going on in the culture that all affects us. Mm -hmm. um, and the unconscious then, and being the collective, my understanding when I took my brief intro to psychodynamic theory class was talking about how you can connect to things in the collective unconscious that aren't yours that being like memories like you kind of mentioned so like is it this like connection I guess is this the question where the quantum field comes in like this connection to like a shared space where like we have access to other people's experiences and memories and I would say yes people don't define if you are okay. union therapist they don't like to talk about the field very much okay. but they don't i define i believe because i'm not just jungian i'm more you know so i'm not a jungian analyst but my school pacifica brings a lot of jungian yeah. theory but i think we all access in moments of our lives the field that contain contains the information of everybody's lives mm. and we um Let's think about the experiment. There is a book called The Experiment. It's a very interesting book. Meg Tarter, I think that's her name, but I'm not sure. So she is a reporter and she writes about this um, experience research. Mm -hmm. And in one of them, they measure. They had 100 people meditating for a month in a very violent city. Mm -hmm. So before that, they measured the crime rates for like a year. Doing the experiment, they had 100 people meditating there for, I'm not sure, an hour a day for 30 days, and meditating in bringing peace to the, to the mm -hmm. space. And the crime, they measured that the crime reduced in 20%. So... If this is, and they repeat the, the, the experience again and again. So if we are able to collaborate through meditation actions and whatever we do to, the, to increase peace, decrease violence and other things, think what we can do. And I think this all uh, happens in the field yeah. with the non-local, they call about non-locality, uh, experiments. You don't need to be close to someone to influence this person. Of course, knowing the person connects you to the person quickly, but you know, you don't need to be present. Even with past lives regression, mm -hmm. 
you can do online. It's better that you have someone doing with you. Some people can do by themselves, but it's not the same. I believe the practitioner creates a container that keeps the space uh, activated. Sure, sure, yeah, to facilitate that. Yeah, of course. I think I'm so curious too, when the study you're talking about the decrease in the level of peace, like I have to wonder like, what other variables could have potentially explained that like that for me it like doesn't do enough to make me feel secure in the idea of the collective unconscious not that i don't want to write it off and i do think it's interesting that i know when we are creating psychological assessments and other tools like that at a certain point people tend to learn the answers and they can't really explain why after the test has been out for a couple of years, people start to seem to like accurately know more than they did at one point, Um, which might point to this idea of a collective unconscious. And I've always wondered that like, yeah, the more something's out, do we somehow inadvertently connect and somehow download that information in some way that does translate to like our various tests being out of date because of that, which is fascinating. I just want more grounding in this like potential well, uh, there is a, a, another book that's called The Water Code. There are many books with many experience in this area, and I agree with you. There mm-hmm. are many variables that may influence the outcomes, right? But the water, ex, uh, the water code, this guy, um, researcher, mm-hmm. is a PhD, and he talks about how we can influence. Well, a Japanese professor in the 60s did a lot of research with water, and he could measure how the the through the microscope how the molecules change accordingly with what you say mm-hmm. so if he had a group many experiments but a group of people saying love and compassion and the the molecules changing shape water shape and they become beautifully arranged Mm-hmm. organize it another group was like saying words of hate and other things the molecules become very unorganized and very strangely designed not in a in a uh in a balanced way and i mean very strangely so they lost their uh ability to get connected so in these designs if we can do this with water that's a uh um uh, that's the using all men. Ex- well, our bodies are made of water, right? Yeah. 97%. So if we can do this with water, imagine if what we can do with our thoughts and, mm. and the vibration of them. But yes, we can, I can agree with you that, you know. Yeah. And I'm so, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm so curious with the water. Was it like a change on the actual shape of it or was it a change on the chemical structure of water it's still water but it was the shape so okay so the actual shapes went from you said like ours like beautiful little you know the the shape changed when he was looking at the microscope and you see the pictures on the book from the microscope Mm -hmm. and some very organized harmonic you know in balance and others like very disorganized Interesting. Yeah. What does disorganized like mean in terms of water? I don't know. I, then I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so fascinating. But, yeah, but you know, sometimes um, actually about coming back to fractals, yeah. King Smith talking about ontology, mm-hmm. what's true for us, right? What we, we believe. Yeah. He, he talks about fractal ontology in the political engagement. Mm-hmm. And he used the, the phrase of becoming other. Uh, he talks about uh, creating a territorial approach, approximation where both participants collaborate in the process of ideas. However, he says that uh, fractals, fractal ontology may be a way to bring organization to chaos. But he mm-hmm. doesn't know if organizing things are a good way of uh, promoting changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you think about sure. when you organize too much, you don't bring a lot of collaboration because become homo- homogeneous. Yeah. And in this way, and we are not homogeneous people, right? Right, right. Well, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's an interesting question as well to study that uh, connection. 
I, I mean, I think for me, like once I learned about quantum mechanics, right, and the idea uh-huh. that like just our ability to be watching an atom changes its action and where it lands up versus when we're not watching it. it and that alone has caused me to think that we don't know a drop of what our existence is. If just our ability to watch something changes how we interact with the atom, that what? I mean, like, I don't think people realize, yeah, how much maybe is, you know, a system where we are interacting with other things at a level that we just truly don't see or currently understand. Yeah, as the observers, yeah. But I think it's not just the observer. When uh, in my... Uh, dissertation writing about about fract ontology mm-hmm. i believe that the experience so it, it's not just the observer but the observer experiencer is the connection because when you observe okay you may be you may be participating in the experience right changing the outcomes mm-hmm. or providing the outcomes but as an experiencer you are part of the experience sure. So then you know it goes beyond the just watching, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and maybe that's what's missing. And that's where we are going one day with the quantum physics, you know, to because still we we can't participate, I mean, can really collaborate in that way. Just observing. <laughs> right, exactly. Because so, there is no thing as just observing because the observing in and of itself affects the dynamics. Yes, 100%. So like, could we ever know without being an observer of that piece? I mean, currently, I don't think we have the science to understand how to do that. So yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does bring up a lot of different things in terms of the interactions. You were saying that we can affect people even though we're not close to them. Could you say more to that and like what that means? Yes. Uh, actually, I was thinking about your cat. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Tell me more. And how animals kind of sense things. And sometimes, of course, they can hear better than us. Cats and dogs, right? Uh, and horse. But they sense more than that. So... Cats, sometimes they know that something is going to happen before we have the awareness, right? So I think, and horses, they can feel uh, 10 times more the field before we do. You know, when we feel that something is like weird or something, you know, it's like there is a, a, a almost like something in our guts, maybe the third chakra, that kind of tell you that something, the horses are able to react much uh, before, and it's not an auditory thing. Mm-hmm. So if we have this um, or develop the idea of sensing the others, and I would say maybe expanding our consciousness, then we can influence others more. Mm-hmm. But it's a practice. I don't believe that just knowing is enough. It's like meditation. Do you meditate? Yes, I do. I teach yoga. <laughs> yes. So, yes. <laughs> so, meditation is a practice and takes a while to be able to clear the mind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, the same thing is the access to the field or to the to the others mm. that are around us and the others that we influence. We influence not just with our words or with our body language. I think there is more. Mm. Like the dog, the cat, the horse, they all sense in a way, if you put your hands on a horse, you know, horse therapy, and we feel, and it's very strange. I had an experience with a horse and the horse could feel me. And it's not like, and it's not just me, a lot of people, and we, are, and we knew it's not like, you know, we are influenced by something that someone said. And it's strangely because I said, oh, I just want to play. I said before, I just want to play with the horse and the horse start playing. And the, the owner said, I never saw this horse doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I love that, that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff but, I've, go ahead. No, no, I want to ask you if this is what you asked me, if I answer your question. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just, I am just trying to grasp and learn at this because I do, I'm such a, I don't know, 
materialist to some degree. I don't even know what right word to use because part of me is like, yes, I see that moment where you're in that scenario and suddenly you just feel that the energy is wrong and there's something about that and you just kind of sense that gut feeling, right? But then the other half of me is like, yeah, but that is the culmination of body language, pheromones, facial, like, and all the other sorts of pieces. So I'm constantly grappling with that, like that idea that it is connected on this deeper, like, other plane level and this idea that it is literally the culmination of all those things happening all at once. Like, could we ever create a scenario where someone, you know, doesn't have access to the sense of like sight and smell and all these other pieces that might actually be affecting us on a level we don't know to even test that variable so we'll never know no why we are alive (laughs) in the physical body we will be influenced by all this Mm -hmm. however i think there are moments doing ex you know, exercises like meditation, guided meditation, um, Qigong, many other practices that you can achieve a state of awareness that you are able to see more and Mm -hmm. expand. And I think practicing, you know, not just uh, meditation, but going beyond the mind, expanding, I like to say expanding because that's how I see, you become more and more aware. That there is more. So yes, the materialistic uh, influence yeah. still strong in our society, but it's changing. I believe it has been changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember Manny, who also goes to Pacifica, had talked about the experience of a meditation where they remembered images from their family, messages from their family in that moment. And we had an interesting conversation about that too, because like, so you're telling me this, like, how can I do this in my own practice as someone who has aphantasia? So when I meditate, I can't visualize anything. It's completely black. So I don't ever have any visual memories at all. I don't see any of my own past even memories. I have, it's just all black. So like when I'm meditating, how would I ever be able to tell any sort of difference between my own experiences and something else when I can't see anything? That's a good question. I think visualize, look, visualization is not just imagery. Mm. I think it starts with visualizing. If you are able, even if it's like a a circle and you visualize the circle like red. I can't do that. (laughs) It's so black. Like, I kid you not, I can't visualize a circle. Like it's like being in a black closet. Like I close my eyes and as much as I've tried, even on psychedelics to visualize, I cannot. Hmm. Yeah. Can you sense? In what, I mean. Like sense in a way that, that expand. It's not just sense. It's not just like use the five sense. Can you feel more than what it is happening in the body? Like something's not right or now I need to change my direction because we have different gifts Mm. and some people can hear extra things like music and other things it's not a psychotic break some people are having you know have this psychotic break so we have to be aware of that Mm. but some people can see and some people can sense because I think the sense then is about you know believing but it goes to the third eye Mm-hmm. So they're not really seeing with these eyes. Sure. They are sure. seeing just with, you know, something else, the sixth eye. <laughs> uh-huh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like I've always been able to feel people's energy very much so. I felt always very spongy where, like, I'm just picking up on someone's energy in all the complex ways of, like, yeah, maybe facial expressions and other sorts of pieces, but also a felt sense that, translate in in my body which I always understood to be like the mirror neurons of like how when we see another person we tend we our body mirrors the neurons and we have that same experience but maybe if you start with that because that's what you can do because I well I do a lot of exercise you know with my patients so um, some of them cannot see it Mm. I do guided meditation because I think it's better than meditation. Mm. 
when you guide someone, you go to a journey, right? But this, some some of them can, uh, they just feel it. And they Mm -hmm. say, I feel like I'm flying. And now I'm moving. And I feel there is a a being close to me. Let's say that's the thing. It's not just about that. Past lives is not about that. But, you know, but they tell, there's someone moving me. So they are sensing. Can you see sometimes some lights and blue, purple, but I don't see much, but I feel it. So maybe that's the way to expand Mm. your experience. And then from there, maybe that's when you are going to start seeing more. I don't know. <laughs> I wish. Oh my God. If it was that easy. I mean, the amount of time though I do spend doing that, like right tripping, having psychedelic experiences where I do just try to connect to my feeling. Like if, oh man, I wish that was the answer that I could just turn it on like that. Um, I think I'd live a whole different life, honestly. I'm thankful for my brain in the beautiful ways that it is. Um, so yeah, that's so tricky. I think so then the person like me who doesn't have visual memories, right, maybe uh-huh. feels that, say I feel anything, right? Like, how does one know that that felt experience is from a past life, from the uh-huh. collective unconscious, slash uh-huh. something from my own experience, slash like we also know that people can create memories. That is something we know in psychology as well. We're like just the creation of a memory. We can start to believe that over time. So like, how does one differentiate between all of these pieces to know? That's a good question because some people ask me and say, Kai, do you think maybe that's my, that's me creating this, all these stories, right? But you feel it. Well, in my case, when I go back, I see it. So I am in the movie. I'm not watching. I am there. And I know it's, but it doesn't happen like I'm watching TV or a movie. I, I'm there and it's like flashes, very subtle. And you have to be there and let, and, but at the time that you doubt yourself, the things just disappear. Mm-hmm. That I think we block. And that's the thing. You have to allow yourself to be there. Don't criticize you can do that later, <laughs> but yeah. let the experience happen. It may be, you know, and I, I think a good ex- explanation is uh, Lucas, Sabine Lucas. She talks about, she's a Jungian analyst, but also a regressionist. And there is a book, uh, beautiful written by her, actually. That's the book, Regression uh, Therapy, a handbook for professionals. Mm-hmm. That's cool. her. Yeah. So she um she talks uh, about dreams. She does a lot of works with dreams, but dreams in past lives. So she said there are three basically dreams related to past lives, not the regular dreams. One is when you dream, you just start dreaming and you know that about your past lives. The information comes through you and you know. It's like, I know, I don't know how to explain that. It's got like near-death experience, mm-hmm. but a little different because in near-death experience, people see their bodies, right? They are not there, but they are seeing everything that's happening mm-hmm. usually. So in this case, you know. The second case, you have someone there, a friend, someone tell you, uh, a guide, tell you about your past lives. That, and, and, and you are there in the past life scene. Not just just one scene. Usually, it's one past life. The third one is when you bring symbols, experience from the real life, this present life, and also memories. And that's the most common dream with past lives. So it's hard to tell what you know what's happening. But the thing is, is the is the um, feeling that you have. Mm. It's not like, oh, I wake up, it's just a regular dream. You you have a feeling that something is very intense or ha- that happened before, and you know that's like in your heart or in your fourth chakra, mm-hmm. you know that something happened. Mm-hmm. It It's a knowing. It's like knowing that you are alive. Sure, sure, right? sure, sure. Yeah. Like those memories. Right, right. Created by fantasy. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's like, so it could be a dream of um, you living the past life, you said, a dream of a friend showing it to you, 
or then a dream of like the present with symbols so present day your lived experience and symbols but then like at that point it's like any dream could be it right because like at so then every dream could be it at that point because no matter what we always have that back option of like your current experience and dream symbols are like a reflection to the past life it could be but i believe she says actually that it's not very common mm -hmm. to have dreams with past lives okay. and it usually happens when you are in a critical moment of your life so there i believe and actually i had a dream Ooh, tell me about <laughs> this yeah tell me when i was uh, writing about dreams and past lives in my previous chapter i had a dream and I didn't think about that, right? Of course, I was going to have a dream. And I had a dream that I don't remember, but I, I knew that I had to remember the information that they're like giving to me. Mm -hmm. I woke up and said, okay, I need to dream again because I need to know what, what the information was. So, and I woke up just with a sentence. When, the when your personal unconscious become comfortable and the time is coming for you, the personal unconscious will release informations from your past lives through dreams. Mm. I think, but I didn't think about it, you know, what I said to you before, because it, it is in her book and then what came to. But I, if it's a critical moment, in my case is because I'm writing about that right. for many years, right? And I have experience, you know, I have been doing this for some time. And so it, it is a critical moment. So I, I'm experiencing. So if someone is, is in a time that they need to decide about something, a job, a relationship, some traumatic thing, it may come through a dream to help the one, to, to, to help the self. Sure. I think they always have, they say, oh, this is very, maybe sometimes it's believing too much in the positive things of life, but I think it's always helpful. Yeah. And it's good to bring to therapy so you can process with your therapist. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, go ahead. No, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the meaning that we make of anything is so incredibly important, right? And like, whether you say it's from a past life or it's not, like the meaning that you make from that experience will move you forward. I think sometimes that's how I also look at like other pieces of like tarot and other things too. It's like, what meaning can I make of this, which then actually does direct how I act and show up in the world. So even for all the skeptics, right? Like there's always that piece of grounding of like the meaning making. I think I'm curious too, like it's at critical moments when you need to hear it, right? It comes through, it's that sort of piece. And I think you had also said when you're comfortable with your unconscious, like you'll, it will come through. As someone who's never maybe, at least to date, experienced a moment like this, what sort of things do I need to be doing to get more comfortable with my unconscious than so that it can have this moment? That's very, uh, it's a very good question. Um, meditation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one of them. Yoga, but not the, you know, the fast paced yoga. I'm a yoga instructor and I don't like to teach. I don't teach yoga now, but I use the, the knowledge to do what I do the breathing and other things uh, and provide to others, but it needs to be something very um, gentle. Be gentle with yourself. Don't judge yourself. You know, believe in what you are doing. Choose what's right for you and practice. Without practice, we don't, without practicing, we don't develop anything. It's like riding a bike, playing, you know, soccer, Whatever it is, uh, you need to uh, play an instrument. So another thing that I, I believe that um, any kind of healing modality helps you. Reiki, even massage therapies, therapy and um, acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Actually, I had an experience in acupuncture, you know, first time that mm -hmm. I did. I just saw like a beautiful tree. Like in a psychedelic experience, but wasn't. <laughs> sure, that's so cool, yeah. And the tree was like uh, having water coming from inside the tree, like, oh. you know, and well, the tree of life, right? If oh. you think. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, and that's what, what it is. It is the the, the vital energy, right? Mm -hmm. That we are like really rebalancing during these moments. 
So exercise is a good thing, but not too much, you know. But all these other modalities help you to explore and expand the gift of uh, going beyond the self. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think what it is, mm-hmm. right? And believing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Because that, that's the openness piece of it. In like meditation, are there any specific things you'd recommend? I mean, is it just, is it quieting your mind to try and just like feel into that connection? Or what sort of pieces do you use to facilitate someone doing that? If it's not imagery, so I'm thinking, I'm, I am thinking for myself, right? Like I'm sitting there, what what sort of things do I need to do to connect? The breath, man, the, they work with, you know, the breath and really moving with the breath. And going inside, but feeling it. In your case, feeling it. Breathing in and breathing out and feeling the expansion of the energy. Mm-hmm. So you can, you go to that point of balance. Then you start working with the breath. And then you start moving more and more and expanding, feeling it. You don't need necessarily to see it. Mm-hmm. Another work with the chakras. If someone goes to the, you know, to the... Um, uh, believe in that work, you know, and you don't need to see, but you can visualize, not look, visualize doesn't mean pictures, right, right. energy, each one of the chakras and feeling them rotating clockwise and expand and each one of them until you go to the, this one that, you know, face, faces up. Mm-hmm. That's another way to do it. Jing Kong, uh, dancing sometimes. <laughs> sure, sure. Right? You can, it, I think it's um, moving the body in a way, or not moving, could be stillness, but moving, I, lo- I love moving, in the way that you feel the mm-hmm. energy around you. And if you are more feeling yeah. than seeing, maybe you need to move the chi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then my homework assignments are to spend, it sounds like, more time visualizing my connection and believing in the connection and sitting in that and also trying to dance into a felt sense yes (laughs) Yes. okay i mean hey those are go ahead and uh it's important to um focus on the water when you're dancing element because it moves right and it's related to your second chakra Okay. So you can write is the creative self and you can move the energy side to side. Oh, very fun. <laughs> Without judging yourself. Sure. And don't try to analyze everything. Mm. I think it's important. The left side of the brain is very important. But I think when you go there too often, and some signs go there very often. They don't let the other side. Are you Virgo? Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I feel called out. I feel called out. <laughs> yes, I am a Virgo. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's how you develop psych. Explore intuition. Yeah. And how do you do it? Sometimes you can do with symbols, but not imagining. Looking at. Mm. You watch a movie. Music comes, on, you know, when you are driving or something else. And, and then you put things together. Sure, There, sure, there sure. are many ways to explore it. Yeah, I mean, I have been seeing Beatles around. Is I don't know much. <laughs> Isn't that like new life or something? Something. Yeah, the Beatles are the, is the symbol of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you need to look at the dictionary of symbols and look mm-hmm. what they like huge, 10 pages. I know, oh, I know. They are coming. <laughs> it's time to explore. <laughs> uh, and by the way, usually they don't believe, you know, Virgos don't believe in a lot of things, but they have a very intuitive side. Yeah, yes, yes. That's probably pretty accurate in the last 50 minutes of how I've looked at this, right? It was like, I feel into it, but I'm skeptical. <laughs> so I think you describe me very, very well. Yes, that's funny. But there is a reason for you to, to come, you know, to, the, to be in this body, you know, there is a reason. Maybe it's to access 
hmm, what you need to access now. Maybe you had to be a, to have a very scientific, rational mind to now move towards and move to the other side. Yeah. I mean, it's something I think about very honestly a lot. So like when I say it's a homework assignment, I'm definitely going to like feel into it because I think sometimes there have been times where I've had very strong gut reactions to things that have tried to go me one way, like lead me one way or another, and I didn't listen to them. And they've come back to me multiple times. So I'm trying to, yeah, lean more into that felt sense when it tells me something and trusting that. It's one of my goals, seriously. Trust your intuition. Yeah. Because usually, you know, we, we question too much. And tarot cards, you know, working with uh, tarot decks really helps. With time, you look at it and say, it's impossible. Why, you know? And sometimes you pull something for for yourself, and then three months later, you decide to ask the same question, and the same card comes. Oof. What's the probability? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, damn it, stop hitting me with this knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this has been so lovely. I want to hold some space as we come to the end of our conversation. Is there anything that maybe you wanted to talk about that we didn't hit on? Yes, I, I think um, don't be, I mean, this, this message is not for you, but, you know, for people that are going to listen this mm-hmm. podcast, not to be too critical about certain things that you don't understand. You know, uh, I heard someone say once, you know, it, why having, thinking about having two lives or three, it's more uh, impossible than having just one life, mm-hmm. you know? It, what's what's the difference when we are oh no we only have this life i mean this is the only life so if you think oh if we have three lives or ten what's the difference in terms of understanding life and sometimes sometimes no we don't have the time to learn everything in this lifetime so what's the purpose the meaning right mm-hmm. even when you don't understand or don't believe maybe exploring meaning in life yeah. maybe yeah. the way absolutely absolutely right? to promote changes mm-hmm. and to live a better life so. yes yes <laughs> i think it's always better when we leave a little bit of space for the openness to be surprised and we i mean know that we don't know everything about this existence so i think it's always Probably the wisest thing to do is leave a ton of space for the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then I have one closing question that I ask everyone on the podcast. And that question is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? There is a, a book that many books, but there is one that talks uh, more, explores, explores the anomalous phenomena. Okay. That's all the psychic phenomena that happens in the world, including past lives, if you think about that. So anything that uh, near-death experience, you know, uh, seeing spirits, you know, clairvoyance, uh, and uh, work with um, energy. Uh, healing the self and, you know, exploring past lives. All the things are much more normal than we, what we think. And that's what I wish should be like uh, a, a common uh, ground for all of us. Absolutely. And why we're like debating and not, not really opening the space for that, we can't access yeah. and we cannot really heal the planet because I think they are interconnected. Mm-hmm. This is not just, you know, why you keep just the material uh, thoughts about life, just one perspective, will be like, you know, wasting or destroying this beautiful planet that we live in. Mm-hmm. As soon as we open the space for things that go beyond the body, then will be the time, the anomalous phenomena. Then will be the time that we understand that there is much more. Life is much more than just this little, you know, structure mm-hmm. in our little bodies, you know, <laughs> that we right, live in. Right. And I'm extend to the idea of the universe, not just one, but many. So 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that way we can have more collective healing. Without, uh, yeah, the collective healing. Without each other, we can't change. Absolutely. What's happening? We need, you know, we need all involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So keep that open mind, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been so lovely. Thank you for entertaining my Virgo mind and all of my questions. <laughs> You did. You are very welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> it was delightful. Yes. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the Anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. <laughs>